Alrighty, folks, welcome to the first episode of the Uppercut of 2023. Welcome back uh, to the new year. Wait, we already had an episode. This is our huh. first review, you donkey. Huh. All right, well, starting off strong already. Um, damn it, dude, I thought I had that. Uh, all right, so preview. now preview. First preview of the 2023 season. Thank you, Jeff. Um, we have a UFC fight night coming up. Hopefully this is not um, an example of what's going to happen for the rest of the year because at the 11th hour, the main event is is rescheduled to be uh, Nasruddin Imavov versus Sean Strickland when it was supposed to be Nasruddin Imavov versus Kev- Calvin Gastelum, but Gastelum suffers a mouth injury and has to pull out. So Sean Strickland is taking this fight. I think he took it on Monday, so he's taking it on six or five days notice. So that's very interesting. Hopefully that is, this is not going to be what happens all year because we've already had a couple of fights be scheduled or rescheduled or and or canceled so far upcoming. Um, the Jeff Neal fight comes to mind that had to be rescheduled. So hopefully the UFC figures its shit out, not to mention – were we on before or after the Dana White slap? Have we talked about We have not talked about the fucking Dana White power. Well, stuff. let's just get into that a little bit because before we get into this preview, because it, it was a weird, it was a, a weirdly crazy couple of like a week and a half of UFC news. So I feel like we got to catch them up a little bit before we do this preview. Um, so yeah, the Dana White slap obviously has been posted. <laughs> Fuck. Bless you. Thank you. <clears throat> I'll cut all that out. Fuck, dude. <clears throat> the Dana White snap, or not slap, slap has already been posted. Um, there's been crazy reactions to it. I mean, warranted crazy reactions. It was not a great video. Um, do you guys think that Dana's going to stay in power, or what do you think happens? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I think they will. They just fucking let him lay low. I mean. If TBS is still airing the power slapping league after that shit, then I think they're letting them in fucking stay in power. So at first I thought it was canceled, which is pretty not. fucking nuts. Because if you think about it, if Roger Goodell slapped his wife, dude, yeah, imagine. I know. Imagine the repercussions. For real, Mike. Oh yeah, I don't. This will not even be close to the last we see of him at all. I just, I don't see it one bit. I, I can't see how. What are they going to do? Like, who's going to ban him? But the state of Nevada and their athletic commission? Yeah, fucking right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. There's they not. They sanctioned like... a power slap league for him. Come on, they're not doing shit to him. Yeah, and at first I thought like they canceled the league, but no, they just rescheduled. They pushed it back a week. Yeah, so. dude, that's way... nuts. I know. Dude, the fact that TBS isn't even doing anything is absolutely fucking bonkers. And if they were going to do anything, they would have knee-jerk already done something. I mean, not like made a final decision. They would have said or done <laughs> something already. It's been, what, a week now? Yeah. Like, if they haven't even made an attempt at anything, they're not doing shit. Just, Plus just going like, to leave that at what it is, I guess. Plus, like, the Power Slap League is fucking a stupid idea, so they should, like... Yeah. So no one likes it, and now it's even controversial? Why the fuck is it getting back? Thank you. Like, who the fuck wants to see that, real, in reality? Like, it's gonna be... Because they're not fucking... They're not out there getting the the goat Vasily Kamatsky out there. They're not even breaking the check? What the fuck? It's bullshit. So, yeah, okay, so that happened. Um, 
Aljo is apparently injured. Have you guys heard about that? Yeah. So, Torn bicep, apparently. Uh, what do you think Aljo should do? Do you think he should vacate the belt, or do you think he's going to hold? Like, what do you think happens with that, Jeff? I mean, I'm not sure if he's really going to have a choice. I think they might end up vacating it if they want to push Sean to it. Yeah. So what do you think that happens for that division, uh, Mike? Uh, I think it's going to be Sean Cejudo at some point. March, April for the vacant or interim will be the next. I just don't see how else they can do anything else. Corey and Cheeto are caught up. And even I, if I mean, Cejudo falls out, I feel like there's maybe time enough if they can fucking try to fit Sean after Cheeto Sanhagen maybe for, I don't know, that might be too long and you might as well not even vacate at that point. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think honestly this kind of works out not that you want anyone to get injured, but it kind of works out perfectly <laughs> for the UFC, I think, because I'm pretty sure they're just wanting to have Sean in as champion. So getting him versus Cejudo rather than having to wait for Aljo versus Cejudo and then um, whatever happens between um, what's it called Cheeto and Sandhagen and then obviously figuring out what Sean like that. This cuts it down from like three possible fights to, you know, one fight potentially if uh, Aljo has to vacate his belt. So I think it works out for in the UFC's favor. Um, has there been anything else that's happened in the past week that we missed? I'm trying to think. Uh, Dana slapped the shit out of his wife. That I don't really <laughs> yeah, remember right. much else. Yeah. yeah oh, Jake, Paul, Jake Paul signs to PFL. Um, ah, and, yeah. And Ariel Hawani, wink, wink, kind of lets Bella kind of like puts it out there that Bellator is up for sale. Um, and I know this is only really pertinent to us because we had talked about or had asked the question about whether or not PFL or Bellator is number two. And I think this makes Bellator, I mean, sorry, PFL number two over Bellator. Right, Mike? Oh, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. I think Jeff was the only one that said it before. Yeah. I, I think and, so. and now. Yeah. He's, he was a hundred percent right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, then yeah. I keep hearing the rumors. Did you guys hear the rumors about they're saying Naganu's next? Yeah, yeah that's fucking family that wearing the PFL shirt. Yeah, that, that would be huge. That would be huge. Um, Jeff, what do you think? Like, what do you think happens with Bellator, and what do you think PFL does with Jake Paul? Dude, I mean, is it really crazy? You think we might see some nut? Like some crazy rules, fucking pay per view, fucking fight between Jake and fucking Ninganu or something, just to break the bank, fucking flesh Jake on this shit or something. I didn't even think that. I don't think Jake would be would doing that. He I mean, fifty year old dude, that would just get so much money, and you're kind of going. I mean, that's the one way that Jake silences all the haters that he has in MMA fandom is fighting the scariest person. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna do that. He fucking. That you're right. You're you're totally right. That's where there's. The I most... know. I'm just thinking. Fucking. Yeah. I'm I'm caveman braining this right now. Fucking big fire, fire. Fucking big fire, <laughs> dude. I mean, dude, when you put it that way, like it silences every single hater. Like even I would respect him after that. That's so like that is an interesting point that you bring up. However, Jake Paul only fights like 50 year old wrestlers that are turned to boxing. So, Dude, but are people not going to respect him if he beats Mike Perry? Like I was 
talking about this today. Like, what's going to be the excuse if he beats Mike Perry? Are we going to start saying Mike Perry's not a real fighter? Like, what the fuck's going to be the deal now? That he was one of the guys who was throwing. I don't know if it got offered. I don't know if we really see Mike Perry get signed by a fucking what you call it. Um. Well, the he was just fighting bare knuckled. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But that's BKFC. That's not fucking. That's this is what I mean with this goalpost with him. I don't even like like Jake Paul that much, but holy fucking shit, it's Anderson Silva's old. No, 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 no. I I'm not saying like I'm not not saying you are. I'm saying I just don't think he fights in a fighting organization again. I also don't think he. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think he would take the Mike Perry fight. If he did, I would respect him. I don't think he will though. But I was just saying, like, what's going to be the consensus with the general public? What's what's going to be the excuse now? Like, wh- what do you guys think if he beats Mike Perry? Say, I don't know if he beats Mike Perry. I don't have an excuse. Even I if he beats that. Nate, like, say he beat Nate Diaz somehow. What's going to be the excuse? He's old again. Like, Dude, are we going to keep Diaz playing that fight out? Would be fucking phenomenal. Be really also. phenomenal. Also, that's a super fight. That's the one that I was going to ask about. That's the that's the super fight to be made. I think. But even yeah, then, no like, doubt. even then, like, I know, Mikey, you're like, well, what if you say he's old? I mean, he is fucking old. <laughs> like, Nate Diaz is old. I just feel like Jake Paul, I feel bad for the guy. I don't feel bad for him because I, I wish I was had his money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> his, That's very obviously. True. But it's like, Jesus, he's just one of these guys. We just keep moving the goalposts for this poor fucker. It's like I Anderson mean, just fought in a boxing tournament like two years ago. And no matter what, like Jerry Rogan said it best, it's Anderson fucking Silva. Like, I'm sure he's not a slouch 47-year-old. And granted, he's old. I give him that. Tyron Woodley would whip like 98% of the population. <laughs> like still right now. It's like, I just don't get it. Well, I I, I think I wait until I see his first PFL match against someone who's just normal. Like, Someone that doesn't have a fucking asterisk. Someone who's not like either extremely old or in this case was, you know, with Ben Askren was old and a wrestler with um, Tyron Woodley was old and had a poor chin at, the, at this time after being through the fucking ringer um, with Anderson's case being old and being in boxing. That's not his kind of bread and butter. He was obviously a great MMA fighter. Um, just having him fight someone who's around the same age in a fucking normal MMA fight will be the one that if he wins that I'll be like all right I can take him more seriously I think would be kind of my catalyst for taking him seriously even Nate Fair Diaz enough. we watched that Tony Ferguson fight would you guys say that was a good fight with Nate Diaz taking out the fanfare like if that was not Nate Diaz and that was not Tony Ferguson if it was the same exact fight the names were two two different names what would we say about that fight that that fight was fucking dog shit yeah I'd say <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I can't even really remember it. It was so overshadowed by the fucking flexing, yeah. <laughs> flexing guillotine. I can't even really remember, remember what because half of, there was barely any fighting for most of it because Nate gas and then would stand in the corner and like avoid. He would do the classic Nate Diaz tactic where he would just kind of like. Stop. Yeah, but you can't say you. Oh no! I loved it. Fight was I loved entertaining. It. I was entertaining and I loved it, but fucking, you watch that as Nate Diaz's last fight. It's kind of hard for me to say. If Jake Paul beats him, then I'm uber impressed. I'm impressed. I don't know, because the fucking fight before that, he was about to knock out the champion. Nate Diaz? Yes. But uh, but that was a while ago. Not even. It was, what, a year ago? It was yeah, 2020, but... right? Or was it 21? It was 
I don't know. It's a year's a long time in fighting. Like that's a that's a pretty long. Oh, see what I mean? Two yeah. See what I mean? This is what I was two talking about. Ago. This two is what I was talking ago. about. Now a year's a long time. It a is year's a never time. been a long time for anyone. And now a year's a long, it is time. a long time. It is a long time. All right. Um. Okay. Any other news in the world of MMA? I think we covered that all. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, that was it. France right. is about to dip. Fight yeah. Jake Paul. Yeah, we covered yeah. it. <laughs> Jake, I'm probably fucking uh, Jake Paul's next opponent, judging by who he picks. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come oh, back. That motherfucker's him. lucky he won't call me out. <laughs> yeah, dude, he could be. Let's put let's put out here real quick. Jake Paul can beat me blindfolded, so just putting that out there. Um, not me. I'm fucking Jake Paul up. <laughs> yeah, not Jeff though. Uh, <laughs> you know, what? put that one in the fucking books. Um, all right. Yeah, I'm ready to sign with PFL pay per view division. Let's go. I would love to see it. All right, we do have the contacts. Shout out all the PFL fighters we've interviewed. All f- four of them, maybe. Uh, <laughs> let's take this quick break, and then uh, we're going to be back with the preview. All right, we took our little break. Let's get ready for this preview of UFC Fight Night. Nazardine Imavov versus Sean Strickland. Not what we expected, but is that... We'll start with you, Mike. Is this a better uh, main event with Sean Strickland in it, or is it a better main event with Calvin Gastelum in it? Oh, 110% better main event with Strickland. There's so many things to make it better. Strickland's personality, the fact that it's at a 205, it's at 205 now. There's so many things. I don't, like, so if, if Gaslam came in and win, what? <laughs> what? Well, yeah. Like, I wasn't even trying to be a smart ass about that. What? Like, yeah, what happens after that? I mean, yeah, yeah no, it, it at least makes it a lot more interesting. I'm sure a lot more people tune in now. I like how the UFC kind of does it uh, March Madness style where it's a, a lot of the times it's like number five fighting number 12. I think that's more important than watching 12 fight 13. It's like, like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah, I think a big reason for this one, too. I was trying to think of why the fuck this is happening. It's got to be because Strickland lives in Vegas, too. I was thinking. Yeah. He's always he's always like in shape and ready to go. And then he lives in Vegas and he'll yeah. take one without really thinking about it. Um, Jeff, do you agree with Mike and I th- that it's a better main event yeah definitely i mean a pissed off sean trickling i can't wait to watch him fight yeah so all right we're gonna be doing our predictions we'll be giving out the mikey's night cool fight of the night the the hammy sosa's lock of the night and then the max's prelim pick of the night along with our picks for um i think this t- this week we picked yes we picked uh eight fights that we wanted to highlight on this card um that we think are going to be like absolute bangers and yeah, so just a refresher because it is the first time we're doing that this year. Um, we have the all-time records for picks uh, is Mikey is thirteen and fourteen all time, and he's one and one on Nyquil fight of the night picks. Uh, just a refresher, Nyquil fight of the night means someone gets knocked the fuck out in the night in that fight that Mikey picks. Um, Jeff is fourteen and twelve all time and two and zero on Hammy Sosa lock of the night picks, and then I am sixteen and eleven all time so let's get it started here boys the first uh fight that we're going to talk about is priscilla cachueta versus sihara eubanks cachueta's 12 and 4 is on a two-fight win streak her last fight being an awesome tko win over ariana lipsky eubanks is eight and seven and is coming off of a tko loss to melissa gatto um before we get into this i just want to say that I was reading about Cachueta and th- there's this segment of her Wikipedia page that I just copy and pasted in here because it's fucking wicked interesting. So Cachueta, ha- quote from Wikipedia, 
Cashueta had a troubled childhood growing up. She played volleyball for Fluminense, but it was removed from the team. In her youth, Cashueta's father refused to admit that she was his daughter. Her brother-in-law sexually molested her, and she discovered that her boyfriend was cheating on her. In her 20s, Cashueta became addicted to crack cocaine. It would spend many years of her life as an addict before her mother finally managed to help her leave her addiction and turn to mixed martial arts. Cashueta had a son born in 2013. She was in a relationship with another woman until 2018 when they split because her partner was spending all of her money. While recovering from her knee injury, Cachueta's uh, training was sponsored by Brazilian football club Vasco da Gama in July 2021. Oh, sorry. In July 2021, news surfaced that Cachueta's former girlfriend was granted a restraining order against Cachueta after accusing her of three assaults. Cachueta denied the accusation and pressed charges against her ex-girlfriend for defamation in turn. So, yeah, she has a fucking crazy life story. I did not know all of this. Um, Jeff, we'll start with you. How do you feel about um, Cachueta versus Eubanks? Who do you think is going to win? Yeah, I definitely like – I'm definitely looking forward to watching Cash, Priscilla Cachueta fight. I mean, she she might beat the fucking brakes off of Sitar Eubanks. Mm-hmm. Eubanks, like nothing against her, but – Priscilla looks like she's finally catching her groove in the UFC. She had some, like, really rough mashups, like, as soon as she came in. Especially fucking her literal debut was against Valentina Shevchenko. Mm. But, yeah, she's finally getting her groove. I think only three or four women have more knockouts than her now. Something like that. Yeah, I think she she's probably going to add another one here this week. So you're taking cash weight out. Uh, Mikey... Are you taking Cashweta as well? Uh, I'll be the lone man out. Like, well, I don't know if you're taking Cashweta or not, Max. But am, I'm, I'm not going to take. I'll be the lone man out. I'm not going to take her. Actually, okay. better yet, I'll put Cashweta as a hammy Sosa locker tonight. Starting oh, it off wow. right. Wow, starting it off right. All right, so um, it's not going to hit. I can tell you exactly why the fuck right now because Mrs. Uh, Cedero. Eubanks is born in Maryland, and that did not hit last time for Jeff. Well, Jeff picked against it. It wasn't his lock of the night, to be fair. Okay, that's fair. Um, did you have other reasonings as to why Eubanks is going to win? <laughs> or yeah, yeah, okay. I, she's she's just a fucking nasty wrestler, dude. I just don't, I don't. Yeah, I like Cashwara, but I I think I said it last time we watched her fight, and she won her most recent fight, right? Yeah, she'd be yeah. She's on a two fight win streak right now. Yeah. But I did say it last fight and she proved me wrong, but I'm going to go against it again. I do not trust anyone named the fucking zombie girl who marches forward and wants to eat shots. I just don't, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy riding them. I like watching their fights. I just don't, don't enjoy them as picks. And Eubanks has just showed that she's just got to, I mean, she gets you to the ground, you're done. Yeah, for real. Um, She is, she is a, like a formidable opponent. So I'm not like, Fully thinking that I am picking Cachueta, but to me, the reason I picked Cachueta is she looks to be on a roll. Her stand-up has looked really sharp recently. And I think Sadari Eubanks is meeting her at a tough time. Uh, Eubanks is kind of known for weight cutting issues. I was looking at topology and she had to pull out of a fight against Nico Montano because she was hospitalized for weight cutting issues. And then she had to withdraw from a scheduled September fight against uh, Maria Moroz for weight cutting issues again. And then in her most fight, recent fight against Melissa Gatto, Eubanks struggled to make weight and then gassed in the second round and got TKO'd in the third round. Um, I just think that Eubanks is kind of a little like just on a bit of a decline here. 
and she's happening to meet Keshweda while she's rising. And I just think it's going to be a tough spot for uh, Eubanks here. So I'm going to side with Jeff and take uh, Kashweda in this one. Um, I think she gets it done here. Next fight, Havid Basharat versus Mateus uh, Mendonca. Basharat is 13-0. He's on a 13-fight win streak. Mendonca is 10-0 and is on a 10-fight uh, win streak. This is Mendonca's UFC debut, but he was on the Dana White Contender Series. He, uh, he was the fucking guy with the blue-ass hair who knocked out um, Ashik Ajim. I think we were actually recording when this knockout happened in the summer. I'm pretty sure we were in the middle of recording, and then we I looked over and Ajim was, like, fucking dead. So, like, this was, like, a really dirty knockout. Um, so, Havid Basra is a fucking absolute killer. Um I have this as my prelim pick of the night. Both of these guys are undefeated, so you you know they're going to be fucking going at it. Um, and it's it's going to be an absolute brawl. I can't wait to watch it. Um, I was really impressed with Basharat's last fight against Tony Gravely, where he defended 11 of 13 takedowns against Gravely, who has a wrestling, wrestling background. I believe he's from, like, Murray State or Appalachian State. Pretty sure that's where he wrestled at one of the – I forget which school. Um from watching the Dana White contender series, I can tell you that uh, Mendonca has a super weird style of like throwing all these strikes from these different weird angles. Um, and I think he's really, really good as well. And he can, he has a really tough chin from what I've seen, but that being said, I think uh, Havid Basra is a legit contender here. And I think he's going to be able to edge out Mendonca. Um, Mikey, we'll start with you on this one. How do you feel about Havid Basra versus Mendonca? Yeah, there was two fights in this card and I'm sure we'll get to the next one at some point, but there was two fights. I just kept telling myself, don't fucking ever think it, dude. Basharat's minus 315 for a reason. The Snow Leopard's going (laughs) to strike again. Like you said, he's made such vast improvements in his wrestling takedown defense. His grappling's starting to get up there, and he's solid on the feet. I mean, I just don't... I I think this is another one where they're just feeding a guy to an up-and-comer, like you said. I think this is going to be exactly like Albazi and Costa, where... You're like, I don't know. We haven't seen a lot of Costa. Like, obviously, we haven't seen Mateus Mendoza fight in the UFC yet. But yeah, I, I just, I think they're feeding that. I think they're feeding Basharat someone who they think is going to be an easy win. I think it will be. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, I just, I think this is going to be a sick fight. I mean, they're definitely giving what you call it, Men- Mendoza, a, a fucking struggle off the bat. Yeah, I mean Basharat's an absolute animal, but between the two of these, the twenty-three wins that they have, only five times it's gone to a decision. So, Mike, I don't know if you're looking at that, but I got I I got one in store. Got one in my back pocket. That's a great stat, Jeff. I did not know that. Um, okay, so I guess that's a lock. Uh, all of us are taking Basharat. Um. The next fight that we want to talk about is Mateusz Rebecki versus Nick Fiore. So Mateusz Rebecki is 16-1 and one and is on a 13-win uh, streak. Nick Fiore is 6-0 and oh and is on a six-fight win streak. Um, this fight really hits home for me because Nick Fiore is from New Hampshire. That's where I'm from. And Mateusz is Polish. And as many of you guys know, following the show, I never pick against a Polish fighter. And I also, well, I've never had to pick a New Hampshire fighter, but I would never pick against a New Hampshire fighter. That being said, I went through topology and did the math. Mateusz Rebecki, 
Um, his fighters combined record out of all 16 of his fights is 168 and 54. Um, Nick Fiore has had six fights and the total losses were 234 losses of those six fighters that he's fought. One guy has 92 losses. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that is absolutely fucking ridiculous. And I think Nick Fiore beat him twice. Yes. And, <laughs> I'm not mistaken. and if you look at the amount of fights in between awesome. the two dates that he fought him, hold on, let me pull this shit up. It's like a month or something, wasn't it? It was a month, but the guy has like 30 fights. In, Jay Ellis, in, I think, was his name. Yeah. Hold on. Let me pull this up real quick. Nick Nick Fiore fought. Um, here we go. He fought. Where is he? Jay Ellis. He's 15 and 98 right now. When he fought him, when he fought him. Um, respectable. Yeah, respectable 15 and 98. Oh, it's not going to show us at the time. He what, Oh, right now he's 16 and 106. So he's just, he got a win in that. <laughs> Somehow he got a win. Uh, <laughs> he's grinding. Let's go. Uh, let's see here. Let me find. Okay, so he fought. Oh, yeah. Connor Matthews beat him as well. Connor Matthews bit beat uh this Dude, guy. Is he just is he just like a New England like fuck puppet? Punch or something? Bag. Dude, what the fuck? He's a New England glory hole. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, he fought Nick Fiore in <laughs> holy fuck. He fought Nick Max said, Oh my god. In January. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying, oh my god, because I looked at the fights. He fought Nick Fiore in January and is fifteen and ninety one, and he lost. And then he fought him again in August, and he was fifteen and ninety eight. So he had seven losses in seven months. That means he took a loss a month, which is ridiculous. <laughs> so, Dude, um, awesome. yeah, that's just ridiculous. Um, it seems like Nick Fiore, as much as I want to root it from a motherfucker from my home state, there's absolutely no way that. He's going to beat Rebecca. This is going to be his UFC UFC debut and his debut against arguably a real fighter for the first time. Um, Mateusz has fought some real motherfuckers. So I'm taking uh, Mateusz Rebecca here. Uh, Jeff, are you taking the Polak? Yeah, I mean, this is both of these guys' debuts. So there wasn't really much to go off of. But give me fucking Rebecca for Mother Poland. Yeah. Uh, Mikey? You yeah, are- 100 110 percent this is going to be another sweep for us three dude if you watch rebecca's contender series fight he has like the perfect fucking style for the ufc today he fucking sits he ducks punches he's short and strong dude he shoots takedowns perfectly like and from what i understand fury's like bread and butter supposed to be his jujitsu and i was like watching some of his highlights he's like not the biggest framed guy so I just can't see I, – I can't see what he's going to do on his back against this big fucking Polak and Mateusz yeah. Rebecca. And Rebecca's nasty, dude. Like you said, Max, I think he's going to be a contender here shortly. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think this is an easy lock for us. Um, fight number four that we have, number 11 ranked Umar Nurmagomedov versus Heine Barcelos. Uh, Umar is 15-0 and and is on a 15-fight win streak. Barcelos is 17 and three and is coming off of a unanimous decision win over Trevin Jones. Um, from watching film, the first thing sticking out to me about Umar, other than obviously his really good fucking uh, Dagestani Samba wrestling, is these kicks that he throws. Um, him and him and Saeed are, I guess, are the ones that aren't your traditional Dagestani wrestlers in the in the sense that obviously they have good ground game and. Um, 
Umar isn't nearly as strike heavy as uh, Saeed is, but he still throws like these crazy kicks that the way best way I can describe them is they're almost like long and he like fully extends his leg out, but he throws them at all three levels. So you can throw leg, body and head um, and he can do it. Seems like he's is ambidextrous. Does that work for both legs, too? I think that works for both legs. I know it means you can use both hands. I don't know if it means you can use both legs, but I'm going to fucking use that word here. Um, he's ambidextrous with his legs when throwing kicks. Uh, so that was really interesting. I, I didn't realize that. Um, but yeah, he throws these really crazy kicks. Uh, Heine Barcelos is a fucking brawler. It seems like he just fucking takes a lot of punishment just and just is able to keep going and just fucking powering through it. He also has really solid wrestling in Muay Thai as well. And then interestingly enough, uh, Heine holds a win over Saeed Nurmagomedov from 2019, and Umar holds a win over Saeed Yokub Kakramanov from 2018 in PFL, which obviously those two guys fought each other last fight night. So I thought that was a little weird um, little thing. And then here, I just think Umar's game is too good. And although Heine has 93% takedown defense, I think Umar is a whole other fucking level. And I just think he's going to be successful in taking him down, controlling him, or at the very least, those kicks are going to keep him at a distance um, and keep him from getting him on the striking. Because the Muay Thai's fighting style, they like to clinch and get close. So we'll start with you, Mike. How do you feel about this fight? I'm taking Umar. Uh, Yeah, this was my second one I was referring to, where every time my brain kept thinking, well, Barcelos has a little more experience. He's a little more seasoned. He can strike. I don't know. Maybe I just kept telling myself fucking stupid, stupid, stupid. Like, just stop (laughs) thinking that. Don't overthink this shit. It's Umar's got his line for a reason. He's a dominant fighter. He has a great skill set to beat Barcelos. I think this is going to be very, this screamed to me. It's going to be very similar to when Hamza fought fucking uh, Gerald Mearshart. And people were kind of like, ah, I don't know. Maybe Hamzat's hype isn't all that. He's got to fight this guy who has a good skill set to fight him. No, it's not going to happen. It's just going to be another step in same for Umar on his way up the ladder. I would ride Umar 110%. Okay, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, Barcelos has a chance to make himself a fucking Nurmega Madoff killer right here if he fucking gets this win. But... You can't see me betting against the undefeated fucking Nurmega Madoff. Yeah. At all. I mean, Dr. Umar's got this one. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Must all right. stay strong, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fight five. Number two ranked Ketlin Vieira versus number five ranked Raquel Pennington. Ketlin Vieira is 13 and two on a two fight win streak, with those wins being a unanimous decision win over Misha Tate and then a controversial. Split decision win over Holly Holm. Uh, Raquel Pennington is 14-8 and eight and is on a four-fight winning streak. Pennington, solid boxer. She sort of just like stands and bangs and then tries to get you against the cage and then kind of pieces you up. Ketlin Vieira is a very good striker and is good on the ground. Um, but I think that Pennington is going to try to keep this on the feet and Vieira is going to be able to get the win here just because I think if she keeps it on the feet, Ketlin can outstrike her, and I think if Ketlin's able to take her down, she'll also be able to do work down there. So I think Ketlin Vieira is just better all around. Um, we'll we'll go to you, Jeff. Who do you pick for this one? Yeah, I mean, I really want to fucking take Rocky in this one. I mean, just like you said, but I don't think she's going to take it to the ground, and I think Caitlin 
just fucking easily outpointing her on the feet. Yeah. I think Caitlyn's going to take this one unless Rocky can get her down. Yeah, I think it's going to be a decision win for Vieira here. Um, maybe a split, but I do think it'll be a decision. Um, Mike, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, I could not agree more with both you guys. And fucking, you know, Rocky Pennington, she likes to – she the, she's like – one of the masters of the clinch. She loves being in the clinch, holding control time. But fucking Vieira is so goddamn big and strong, dude. I just don't see her letting that happen. And like you guys said, she's going to outpoint her on the feet. And I just think this is Vieira's time, dude. I think she wants yeah. Nunes. I think she'll get her next. And I, I don't see yeah. her letting this opportunity slip her by. She's just one of them fighters. I just don't – I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, plus she's like three years younger. Uh, she's 31. Rocky's 34. So it's not like a big difference. Um, but I think I think that's the age, the 31 to 34. That's the age, you know, the three years. That's pretty important um, in terms of like 31. You're like right in your prime. 34, you're kind of a little bit eking out of your prime. So, um, yeah. And yeah. she'll finally break that fucking curse of not striking enough. I think this fight because yeah, her think- volume has been kind of a problem. But I think she'll break that curse this fight. I think so, too. Uh, fight number six, Punaheli Soriano versus Roman Kopilov. This fight's going to be a fucking banger. I'm really excited for this one. Um, Soriano is 9-2 and two and is coming off of an insane KO win over Dolce Lungambula. Roman Kapilov is also 9-2 and two and is coming off of a KO win over Alessio De Grosio. Um Yeah, we'll start with you, uh, Mike. How do you feel about this one so far? This is my least favorite one to pick, boys, I got to say, because I – Punahele is one of my favorites. I love watching Punahele fight. He's fucking always screaming. He's super aggressive. He makes you want to get up and start fighting. And his fighting style is so fucking exciting. It's so fun to watch. But uh, there was just nothing in me that could take him to win. I I took Kabilov, dude. Punahele throws heavy, kind of like Tui Vasa. Misses a lot. His his wrestling's good, but Kabilov's takedown defense is definitely up to par and Kabi love striking is just it's it's top tier dude i think he's gonna pick punahele apart his footwork's really good he throws a lot of fakes a lot of good combos and i don't think Soriano's gonna be able to get him to the ground i think Kabi love by decision all right jeff yeah i this fight's really weird for me because these fighters are like they seem to be like the exact opposite like Kobe Kofalov kind of seems like he picks you apart. He doesn't really seem to put put it on you early. Wants to figure you out first and then pick you apart late. And then Soriano, he wants to get you out there ASAP. So this fight's definitely going to be interesting. And I think if Kofalov gets past that first round, that's a live bet, like, Hammer all your fucking your house, your kids, your wife, all that on that. <laughs> the classic Hammy Sosa. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But God, that first round is going to be scary. I'm. I think I'm rocking with Kopilov just because we saw uh Soriano struggle with Nick Maximov, and that's kind of like the style that Kopilov's going to have to do is outpoint him and you know pick him apart on the feet and all. Okay. We all said the exact same thing. I said, uh, Kapilov, watching his tape, he does take shots and sort of takes the Cheeto Vera approach where he downloads information for the first round and then gets it going rounds two and later. 
Um, Kapilov has elite striking, like both of you said. Uh, he showed he showed that off in in his last fight against Alicio, where he got that KO. But the only thing that's different about this is that I actually picked uh, Punaheli Soriano. I just think he's what I want to root for at this point. I think it's literally a coin toss, and I, I completely a hundred thousand percent agree with Jeff that if Kapilov is able to get out of the first round, I'm gonna live bet the fuck out of him. But I do think Punaheli. I, I actually I feel like I know he has the strength to get Roman Kapilov out um, in the first round. I think that can happen. And especially with the way that Kapilov fights, um, especially in the first round, I think it could be done. So I'm going to put my money on on uh, Soriano here. I wrote Soriano has the classic wrestling, not sorry, not the classic. Soriano has the wrestling background, but in his most recent fight and before at a smaller extent in his in his past fights, he showed this like classic Hawaiian style fighting where they just fucking absolutely have rocks for hands and they can just stand and throw and knock people out um like that like obviously like you know bj penn and um dan ige are examples of just this these hawaiian motherfuckers that just kind of fucking beat the fuck out of people so yeah i'm taking punahele here although i will be doing the hammy sosa um betting strategy if it comes to that so yeah um the next fight the co-main event the people's main event as i've heard it called so far is Dan Ige number 13 ranked versus Damon Jackson our fucking boy Dan Ige is 15 and 6 and is on a three fight loss streak our boy Damon Jackson is 22 4 and 1 and is on a four fight win streak Dan Ige is a fucking dog um he's the one that he's the coach that or, or no sorry he's the teammate of Soriano kind of brought him in they went to the same college uh and they wrestled there they train together. Dan Ige has some heavy, heavy hands. That same wrestling background that I talked about. He has a ridiculous chin. I will never bet against anyone who's been on this podcast. So I'm taking Damon Action Jackson. Um, Jeff, we'll start with you. Are you riding the Damon Jackson train? Yeah, let's fucking go. Our boy Damon Jackson is in a main event. Let's fucking go. I mean, I really like him in this spot. I think he's gained a bunch of momentum after that emotional fucking win last time out. And now he's going against a Danny Gay whose back is against the wall. This is going to be an absolute war. Yes. I'm so I excited. mean, Danny Gay needs a win here. And I mean, I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to happen for my man Danny Gay, but our boy Damon, he's definitely, I think he's got it. Yeah. Also, I'm a fucking idiot. I think last week I said, I asked if Danny, yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's from Mass. He's not from Mass. He's from fucking Hawaii. Could have yeah. been more far away. Um, okay, Mikey, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, on the picks in the fight? Uh, you know who I'm riding with, too. Let's Come go. on. Let's it's go. not even a fucking question. I do think one thing, though. I do think the recency bias of uh, Damon's fight makes us think it's going to be a standing bang. I think if it passes the first round, which I do think it will – I think Damon's going to start wrestling him for sure because he is primarily a wrestler. Like, yeah. that's kind of his style. Even though we saw last fight, he didn't do that. But, and I just, I, I don't know, man. I was looking back on a lot of Ige's past fights because I couldn't think of any he's really won. I mean, he's just, he's been fighting top tier guys, but he's been losing a lot. And Damon Jackson's three fights prior to that last Sabatini fight, he had 10 takedowns in 25 minutes of control time over three fights. 
over 30 minutes. So, I mean, and obviously Ige is far better competition, heavier hands. But if you look back on a lot of Ige's fights, he struggled a lot with the control time. And his takedown defense isn't the best. I mean, it's pretty decent, but it's not the best. I think rounds two and three, we just watched Damon control the fight. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to stand and bang with Dan Ige ever. That guy's a fucking just the heavy-ass hands. And I completely agree. I think Damon's going to take this to the ground. Um, but, yeah, okay, final fight, the main event, the original fight, as we mentioned, number 12-ranked Nazarene Imovov versus number 13-ranked Kelvin Gastelum. However, Gastelum pulled out with a mouth injury, so it is now number 12-ranked Nazarene Imovov versus number 7-ranked Sean Strickland at 205, which is light heavyweight rather than middleweight. Nazarene. 12 and 3 and is on a three fight win streak. Sean Strickland is 25 and 5 and is on a two fight loss streak. I'm um, uh, like I don't know what to say. The cards are pretty stacked against Sean here. Uh he's coming in super late notice. He's coming in with about 4 weeks rest after a fight that he lost that went 5 rounds. Um so he's not even in a camp right now. He's been posting all over his Instagram that he literally just crashed his dirt bike. So he's fresh off of a Five-round loss, has no camp, is taking this fight on short notice and is possibly somewhat sore from a dirt bike accident. I got to pick Nasserdine here. I love Sean Strickland for what he's doing. Props to him for being an absolute fucking warrior and taking this fight on short notice. That being said, there's just, I like, the card, the odds are so stacked against him. Um, and Nasserdine is an animal. So, Mikey, how do you feel about this uh, main event? And do you think Sean can get it done? No. <laughs> no, I do not. I do not one bit. It, it, I do think it's a lot closer than it seems. I agree with everything you said. Though. The odds are stacked against him. The only way I can see Sean getting this done is he is a fucking nightmare to fight for five rounds because yeah. he is like a robot with the cardio. He just yeah. does not gas. You didn't even look tired in the Cannoneer fight. No, not one bit. Not yeah. one fucking bit. But I just... Yeah, there's so many fucking red flags and question marks. And one thing I'm starting to realize about Sean that I really don't like, and I think we kind of were even starting to see it before the Pereira fight, is he is so one-dimensional, dude. He's yeah. just jabs. That's it. Jabs you to death. He might throw in a takedown here and there, but he basically jabs you to death with no power. Yeah. He evolves fast as fuck. He has great footwork. He's really good at getting in and out fucking in and out beating you down i just yeah i don't know i think we're gonna see the deer and headlights look by about round two yeah um the one thing like you mentioned about the um cardio is also that it is worth mentioning this is imovov's first five round main event so uh just worth mentioning that could come into play jeff how are you feeling about this are you gonna lock up nazarene or are you taking sean negative i'm going against you guys That's i'm taking fine. a I piss want, off i want to do it fat Five round, 205 fucking Sean Strickland. Are you, I mean, there's one thing we're not taking account. This man is a fucking madman. He's fighting on back-to-back fight nights. He's got to be fighting for something. He's got to be pissed off at that decision. Yeah, it is. Or actually, no, no, no. Tito did it back in the day. Wow. All right. Good call. Historian Jeff here. But yeah, so sorry. Continue. But yeah, fucking... A piss off Sean Strickland, I think he's got this every day of the week. I mean, I think he's going to put it on him in the late rounds. Honestly, I think we'll see him mix 
a lot more grappling in because like you said mike he's he's been exposed for being very one-dimensional and he's got to go back to that grappling we saw we've seen a little bit of in the past and now he's just shied away from it for some reason yeah but yeah i definitely think we'll see see a bunch of it at 205 when he's a little bit more gassed and has a little bit more more body to throw around there yeah I love that someone took him because I felt bad betting against him because he is one of my favorite fighters just personality-wise and his story and the way that he fucking goes. Um, uh, yeah. Me too. And let's be real, boys. He kind of saved this fucking card. He did. He, he saved he every card of the year. He 100% saved this card. Um, so, yeah, we got to we – Dude, when Shavkat fell off of it, dude, I was sick. Yeah, for real. Um, dude, so, yeah. and real quick, uh, I just wanted to highlight what my uh, night will fight of the night was. Oh, it yeah. was uh, – Claudio Rivera versus Abdul Ahasan. Okay. And I wanted to pick the the pick that Jeff wanted me to pick, but let me read exactly how many first round knockouts these guys had together. I think it was somewhere in the venue. Yeah, it was eighteen in their oh, professional God. careers together. Oh, That's in the first round. Just the first oh round. Oh my God. So. I mean, if the line's probably going to be, what do they usually land at? Like minus 500 for fights yeah. to not go the distance when they're obviously Which one not. was it? Claudio Ribeiro and Abdul Razak Ahasan. What a name. And, uh, um, but, but I was going to say, if the odds are looking a little crazy, maybe look for the under one and a half or under one round. See what you can Ooh, get for that. Mike, you're looking at negative 1300 for fights that's not <laughs> exactly. Oh. Exactly. Holy. So I don't know if you can parlay it under 1.5 or something. If that's even an option with a lock, maybe to get some kind of positive money, maybe because I don't know, boys. I don't think yeah. there's a lot of value on this. The card, under 1.5 is at a minus 235. Not not looking too shabby on that. No, because I, I <laughs> no, don't think there's a lot of value on this card. Yeah, whatsoever. there really isn't. There really is. There's a lot of heavy favorites, I believe. Um, Umar is like what five in the five hundred to seven hundred. Seven, I think now. Yeah, he's all the way up to seven. Doctor um, Umar. Yeah. Kapilov, I think, is an underdog. He would be about the only one I could yeah. say. I really like the live bet Kapilov after, especially because I like Kapilov by decision. I I yeah, that's, that's got really high idea. value. I really really like the live betting Kapilov after the first round for a couple of reasons. One, I think. If Punaheli can't put him out, he will at least win the first round, like Punaheli will. Um, so if he's able to survive the first round, Kopilov, his odds are going to be much yeah, better. Yeah, he'll be a live dog. Gonna, yeah, so there's a couple of things you could do here. You could bet Punaheli to win the first round, which I think is a good bet. Is that a thing to do? Is there able, I don't able think you can do that now. Oh, you, you can bet him to win in round one. Yeah, I wish you could bet winning round by – like. Winning rounds, yeah, because I think I think there's some fighters that you could totally like. You could bet, you could bet against um, Cheeto Vera, yeah, in the first or couple Sean, of rounds, Sean O'Malley, yeah, Sean, yeah, exactly. Um, so they, that's FanDuel. If you're listening, fucking add that in DraftKings Sportsbook. Go ahead and add that in for us. I wish we could have that power. Um, but yeah, okay, this was good review. Um, just to recap our picks, uh, starting with Jeff. The Hammy Sosa lock of the night is Kashweda. And then Jeff's picks are the following Kashweda, Javid Basharat, Mateusz Rebecki, Umar Nurmagomedov, Ketlin Vieira, Roman Kopilov, Damon Jackson, and Sean Strickland. Mikey's uh, Nyquil fight of the night is Claudio Ribeiro versus Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Mikey's picks are Eubanks, Javid Basharat, 
Mateusz Rebecki, Umar Nurmagomedov, Ketlin Vieira, Roman Kopilov, Damon Jackson, and Nazardine Imavov. And then um, my prelim pick of the night was Havid Basharat versus Mateusz uh, Medansa. And then I picked uh, Priscilla Kashweda, Havid Basharat, Mateusz Rebecki, Umar Nurmagomedov, Ketlin Vieira, Punahele Soriano, Damon Jackson, and Nazardine Imavov. So stay tuned. We will be having a review episode out soon to recap this card and go over our picks and thank you all for listening we will be back with you guys very soon